Happy Sabbath, everyone. All right, welcome to this morning's Sabbath school. Um, Let us open up with a silent word of prayer before we say anything. Amen. 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 Happy Sabbath once again. All right. Um, as we can all see, the title of the note, which is um, Conviction, um, if we remember last week, we had touched on it a little bit, um, I, um, I, based upon some of what I've heard, because I've heard many of those things before, in relation to conviction, such as um, people would say to, have said to me that, well, this is my conviction, um, and I just... So I said, okay, Lord, I would like to look into this because this is, seems to be a matter that, that um, some may not understand or may not have considered. But one thing I know about the Bible, and it's this, whatever is important for salvation, I mean essential and very important, is the easiest thing to understand in the Bible. Amen. Y'all follow? Amen. Whatever is important for our eternal salvation is the easiest thing the Bible covers, the easiest. Whether it be the Sabbath, all you got to do is do what? Just look at the table. It says write the vision and make it what? So whatever is essential for salvation, God makes it plain. And that's the first thing we have to receive. That plain thing he makes um, clear, we have to receive. And how do I know that's true? Because the first test for man, it was plain. Don't eat from the tree of knowledge, going to evil. That's it. That's it. Wasn't that easy? It was that easy for man. Don't eat from this tree. And the Lord made sure they knew what tree not to eat from. And he made sure of what tree to eat from. So from the very beginning, the Bible tells us that whatever is important for our salvation, God has already made it plain. Anyone who goes against it, they're, they're only what? Lying. Because the Bible says, let God be true and every man a what? Liar. A liar. If you go against that which is plain to say that the Sabbath day is not the Sabbath, you are just lying. Because the Bible says, God spake all these words what? Saying, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Do we need anybody to come and tell us what God said? No, he's, it's, it's right there. So if we go against that, we're, we're, we're lying against our own, our own selves, and, and, we're, and we're actually essentially making God a what? A liar. That we're saying that he's asking, us to do some, he's asking us to do something that we can't do, or he hasn't made the way to heaven plain for us to follow. Amen? So everyone follow? All right, so another question. Son, um, I'm, I, I know... This is the first meeting after the health, the health session, but I'm just asking for this, um, a lively participation. Amen? Amen. We want to have a lively participation. If if we don't make it interesting, then we're, the angels can't help us for it to be interesting. They want to help us, but they can't. They can't force themselves on us. They can only come in and be with us. And when we make ourselves available for their use, they will use us, and they, and then the meeting will be interesting for all. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's go on. 
What, is, what does it mean to hide behind a cross? What does anyone know what that means? Hiding behind a cross. When we say, um, Christ, hide me behind a cross, what are we saying? What are we asking the Lord to do? Put away self. Uh, say it again. Put away self. Put away self. It, explain it a little bit for me. Um, we have inclinations and desires to do one thing or another, but not everything is of God. And um, a lot of times we would rather um, stick to whatever we feel like doing more than what we should. Amen. Amen. So I like that. And that's actually the answer I was looking for, because the Bible tells us very plainly on the most basicest level. What does the cross mean? Self-denial. Self -denial. So to hide behind a cross means simply what? Denying. Denying self. Every time we deny self, we're hiding behind the cross. And Christ gives us power to deny self. And by denying self, we're showing the world that there's power in the truth. And every time we don't deny self, we're making the truth a lie that it actually doesn't have power to help us overcome self. A amen? amen? So to, to simply hide behind the cross means the power to deny self. And Ellen White says the Sabbath is the what? It's the heaviest cross. The Sabbath is the most heavy. So that means on the Sabbath, only Christ should be seen every single time. Y'all follow? Amen. Every Sabbath, only Christ should be seen. And I, I praise God the day is coming when he's going to give us a lot of light on the Sabbath. So that way when people see us keeping the Sabbath, they'll never see self. Self will be completely obliterated when it comes to keeping God's Sabbath because we can't receive the latter rain if that's not seen. Amen? Amen. That Christ has to be seen in order to receive the, the, the latter rain. And the former rain is designed to help us to put away self so that Christ can be seen. And now, what does all this mean? What does this all have to do with conviction? Um, well, let's look at this, this first quote as we go on, and then we're going to give some more to this. Let's read this first quote. It says, what a great deception can come upon, sorry, thank you. What greater deception can come upon human minds than a confidence that they are right when they are all what? Wrong. All wrong. The last deception of Satan is to make people think that they are right when they are wrong. That's his deception. That's his power. His power is to convince us that we are right and God is wrong. Isn't that what he did in the beginning? Yeah. He convinced Eve that God was wrong and he's right, that God is withholding good from you. God is withholding liberty from you. He made the law look like a burden and he made the law look like it, it's a heavy yoke to carry. And he, and he told Adam and Eve, cast that off and take my yoke upon you because my burden is easy. My yoke is light. That's what he said to them, right? That's what he said. And Jesus came up on earth to show us, no, 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 no. That way is hard. My burden is easy and my yoke is light. Learn of me because I am meek and lowly and you will find what? Rest. But say, are you going to find rest with Satan? No, because the end thereof is the ways of what? Here's what Satan knows. Satan knows that he can't get full control of man unless he deceives them. Once he's deceived them and God has given them up, he no longer needs to deceive that man. And that's when man is going to finally find out that his yoke is hard. But before that time, which is the close of probation, man don't really find out until when? The close of probation. But while probation is open, Satan has to work in this deceitful manner 
like Romario went over last week in this, with this spirit of peace, trying to convince us that his way is the best way and his way is easy, but it's a lie. It, 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 it doesn't bring about the rest, the rest that we thought we would get. His angels will tell you that. His fallen angels will tell you that there's no rest in the way that they have chosen. Amen. So there's no rest for Satan. So he has to deceive us to make it seem like there's rest. Go down with me to the next bowl. This is, we're going to bring this to conviction. It says, the testimony so cutting and severe cannot be a mistake, for it is the true witness who speaks, and the testimony must be correct. When you have time, you can read that whole passage where she covers that in detail. All I, all I wanted was there's a way that always seems right to us, but the ends of it is the ways of death. The right way is always the cross. That's always the right way. The Bible opens up when God made man, he placed a restriction upon them. So God is teaching us from the very beginning, the only way we can be happy is if certain things are restricted from us. Y'all follow? That's the only way we can be happy is if, is if we have restrictions placed upon what? Good or evil? On evil. God doesn't, the Bible says there's no law against good. There's no law against love. There's no law against that, but there must be a law against those things which are evil and is there for our own happiness and our own peace and, and freedom. But what does this all have to do with conviction? Let's look at the next quote. It says, it is not Christ, it is not Christ follower that, we, that, that with averted eyes turns from the errand, leaving them unhindered to pursue their downward course. Those who are forward in accusing others and zealous in bringing them to justice are often in their own lives more guilty than they. Men hate the sinner while they love the sin. Christ hates the sin but loves the sinner. This will be the spirit of, of all who what? Follow him. So what will be the spirit of everyone who follows Christ? Love the sinner and do what? Hate the sin. So therefore, we have to condemn the sin and plead for mercy for the sinner. Y'all follow? Amen. We must connect. Notice what it says. Christ, this, will be the, this will be all of Christ's followers. We will hate the sin and love the sinner. So, okay, so what are we going to do now? How do we hate the sin and yet at the same time love the sinner? So what is the Bible showing us? We must separate the sinner from the sin. Y'all follow? Mm -hmm. We must identify the sin, leave the sinner. Identify the sin, leave the sinner. Can you write works and words for me, please? Words, yes, words and works. So we have to identify people's words and people's works, and we condemn their words and their works, but leave them alone. Amen? That, that's what the, we're going to see that this is what the, the Bible teaches us. So whenever we condemn the works and the words, it always re reveals the love the sinner has. He loved the wrong over the right. Y'all follow? He loves the wrong over the right. So whenever the Lord touches the works and the words, this is when men reveal the, that, that, that character, that they love darkness rather than they love the light, the truth. Um, so let's go on. Next one. It says, the reason why I'm going, over, going down this route is to show us that there are things we say that may, not be, that may not be right, and there are things we do that may not be right. There are many things we say that are right, and there are many things we do that are right. Those things we leave alone. Obviously, when you go to a garden, nobody plucks up the, 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 the corn. They pluck up the wheat. Amen? Because the wheat is bad, the corn is good. So leave the corn, pluck up the wheat. That's, that's, that's what you do. So we have to first identify that which is wrong, take it out, and leave that which is good. Because the earth is us. We are the earth. And out of us produce good and evil. 
Amen? So we have to now see, okay, what's the good and what's the evil? But in order for me to determine what's good and what's evil, I need a standard. There must be a standard of good and evil. Amen? If there isn't any standard for good and evil, then I wouldn't know what to pluck out. I might be touching something that's essentially good, but in my mind, it's evil because I'm going by my own standard. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm not seeing nobody on planet Earth. Once our first parents fell, no one on planet Earth can see things right. Nobody. Amen. That's what the Bible says. The heart is what? Deceitful. Isn't that what the scripture says? That's a plain text. So I have to accept that fact. God, you said I am deceitful. So that means whatever my eye looks at, I'm seeing it in a deceitful manner. And unless you set the right way before me, I won't know how to separate the deceit from the good. And I'll throw out that which I think is deceitful when you say it's good. And I'll keep that which is deceitful, which you say is evil. Amen. Amen. So the Bible's there from, to help me to make the right decision of what to cast out and what to keep. But in order for that to happen, I must be convicted on this. Amen. Amen. I must be convicted on this. And then I make, then I make my move. What are some of the ways that Jesus showed his hatred for sin and love for the sinner? Praise God. Amen. What is it? All right. Can you write temple cleansing? So Christ showed his hatred for the, how did he do it there? When he, he cast out the, uh, the, 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 those who bought and sold. Oh, no, he didn't, he didn't cast them out. Yes, he cast them out. I, 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 it's true, but I, I want us to see something. Christ did something that to make us know he loved the sinner and he hates the sin. What did he touch? Did he touch them? No. What did he touch? Their works. Yeah. He only touched their works. They cast themselves out. Y'all follow? They left. They, isn't that what Ellen White says? The Pharisees, they left. Christ was overthrowing their works because Jesus says, I didn't come to condemn anybody. I didn't come to condemn. I came to show people what is right. We're going to read it. We're going to read it. But yes, he did cast them out. He cast them by casting out their evil works. And because they associated with their works, they went with it. They went with their works. Everyone's following? Okay, so that's what I I just want to show. Christ is consistent with himself. He said, I didn't come to condemn anybody. I didn't come to destroy anybody. I came to show people the way to heaven. That's what Christ, his first coming was, to show us the way to heaven. And he has to make this way to heaven available to everybody. So therefore, he can't destroy anybody. He has to leave them to make their decision of whether they want to follow him to heaven or they want to remain with the works that he came to overthrow. That's what Christ came to do. He says I, he came to be a light to everyone to show us what's right and what's wrong. And those who choose him will follow his example. So what, is, what does that mean? Because if he overthrow the money changers, what does the quote say? His followers will do the same. Y'all follow? So in the house of God, his followers have the right to touch the works that are wrong. Y'all follow? That's, he showed me how to hate the wrong and love the sinner. Touch what they love. Touch their idol. Because in God's house, this is wrong. So therefore, if someone brings in, let's say, we don't, we don't, um, um, we come to, to church and someone decides that every Sabbath they want to, they want to I don't know, bring, uh, what can I think? Um, they want to cook chicken or something, I don't know. But they know that in, in, in this truth we don't do that anymore, right? We don't do that. So are we to eat that because they bring it? No, what are we supposed, what did Christ say? Take these things what? 
take these things hence. This, this does not belong here. Now, the reason, what I'm about to say, I want us to understand, there's a time for every one of these things. Amen? Because it's not every temple we're going to go to and do that. It's, it's we, God has to give us discernment when to do that. But we must be, Christ was doing it to a people who knew what was right. Amen? Not to a people of a str- Amen. So the principle is these people knew what was right. Now, why am I saying that? Somebody might come amongst us and bring a pot like that. Am I going to say, take these things hence? Why wouldn't I say that? They don't know. So I'm not going to say, what does Christ do? He educates them. Amen? So another way Christ shows that he hates sin, the disciples, when they were in the upper room, they were supposed to, one of them was supposed to go get the, the pot and wash the feet. But they didn't do it. Why didn't they do it? Because there was an error they had. The error they had was, I'm not doing that. That's beneath me. That's the, I, I, I want the highest place. And if you sit in the highest place, people can wash your feet. You don't wash somebody else's feet. So to, to show Christ's hatred for that sin, what did he do? He got up and he did that, which they didn't want to do. So what is that teaching me? Um, after meal, after, after the Sabbath, after lunch, the sink is full of pots. But because I'm the minister, am I to think that I'm not to go and take those pots and rinse them out and put them in the dishwasher and wash them after the Sabbath? Because I'm a minister, I'm not going to do that? Is, is that the example Christ left me? No. no as, in fact, the minister should be the one leading in that work. Amen? Because yeah. that's the example Christ left. So that's how we show our hatred for the sin, but not the sinner. I can give dozens of examples where Christ shows his hatred for the sin, not the sinner. I'll give one more and go on because a testimony of two or three. The third one, the disciples is arguing amongst themselves. Who would be the greatest? Who would be the greatest amongst them? How did Christ show his hatred for that sin, but his love for the sinner? The Bible tells us, how did he show his hatred for that sin, but his love for the sinner? He took a child. Amen? Y'all remember the story? He took a child and sat the child on his, on his leg. And he says, what did he say? He that, if he that shall be converted and become one of these what? Little children. Y'all follow? He showed his hatred for the spirit they had by teaching them something, by using a child. To show his hatred for that evil in which they were, which they were, what, what was he doing? Showing his love for the sinner, but his hatred for the sin. Amen? And this is the spirit we're supposed to copy. That's why it says his followers will do the same. We'll leave the sinner alone, but we will tackle what they're teaching and the works that they fail to do or the works that they are doing. Amen? We, we tackle the work or we tackle the word, but we leave the sinner alone, but we find different methods that we can use to attack the, the teaching or the work and leave that individual alone. And, the, and uh, one more, because this just came to my mind, with um, Judas with um, the foot washing of Mary. When Mary washed Christ's feet, what was the, what was the spirit there? Agreed. Agreed, and they were accusing Mary. They were accusing her, right? What, was, what did they say she should have done? But how did Christ tackle that hatred for that sin, for that average spirit, and showed his love for the sinner? By what he did? He exalted her. And, but, it brought, but those who hated what Christ did, Judas left, right? And then Christ told a parable of someone who owed 500 and someone who owed 50. And then she says, Simon, he, she, he, Simon saw the love of Christ and that Christ attacked his spirit 
but Christ left him out of the picture. Y'all follow? And that's what Simon saw. And Simon saw, man, Simon realized, man, he loves me, but he hates the spirit in which I manifested. Y'all follow? That's the spirit that we're supposed to have. The, that same kind of spirit, but we can only have it if we recognize it in Christ. If we don't, by, by us beholding this, what will happen to us? We should become changed. By us seeing how Christ hates the sin and love the sinner, we should become, that's the only way we can follow him. By recognizing how he deals with the sin and, 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 and the sinner at the same time. Because the sinner is attached to his sin. So how does the Lord separate the one and not touch the other? This is the great wisdom of God. Touching the sin but not touching the sinner at the same time. And that's what the Lord does. And those who follow Christ will do the same thing. But there's one thing in the Bible that whether in season or out of season, that's the one that God says we can always use. And what is that? We all should know it because I, I gave the answer in what I said. No, nah, in season, out of season. Preach the word. Amen. Preach the word. Preach the word in season or out of season. It's always a good time to do what? Preach the word. All right. So we can touch people's idols by preaching the word anytime. There is no restriction to preaching the word. That's the liberty that every one of God's people have when they accept the gospel, the power to preach the word. There's different ways to preach the word, but God doesn't limit how we preach that word. And Je Isaiah says, uh, lift, that, lift up thy voice like a trumpet and do what? Show my, Show my people their sins in the house of Jacob their transgression. That's always a commandment that we're supposed to keep. We do it in many different ways, not only in words, but in how we live our life as well. And that's why I started out by saying hiding behind the cross, because hiding behind the cross is a way of preaching that word in season and out of season. Amen. Amen. So with this, we're going with this with, in the, with the thought of conviction. I hope everyone is following. But go down now back to Psalms 119. It says, through thy precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate some false way. So the spirit of Christ followers, we're to hate every false way. But the only way we can hate it is if we know it's false for ourselves. If we don't know it's false, we can't hate it. Amen? We have to know that way is false, that that way is anti-Christ. I employ us to do a study on that. Anti-Christ means against Christ, in the place of Christ, or, or opposed to Christ. That's, that's what this word means. So any way that's in opposition to Christ or put in its, itself in the place of Christ, or is against Christ, we're to hate it. We're to have such a hatred for that way. And, we, and just like the example I gave us, we're to manifest this hatred in different ways, either in cleansing the temple, taking a child, washing the feet, or putting it in a parable, or just simply preaching the word. These are the way that we hate every false way, but we love the sinner. Hate the way, hate the action, hate the word, leave the sinner alone. Amen? Leave him alone. So, yes, we can condemn the way and speak again because that way is wrong. That way is not right and, and, um, and so forth. But we leave that sinner alone. He can go with it if he wants. Go down to this next one. It says, error is never harmless. It never sanctifies but always brings confusion and dissension. It is always dangerous. The enemy has great power over minds that are not thoroughly fortified by prayer and established in Bible truth. Okay. So I have in here that wrong ideas are dangerous. And now one of these ideas I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address is this one on conviction. 
that I, um, it was an idea that I've heard before that, well, this is my conviction. Y'all follow? What's already wrong with that picture? You accept what? You accept what? Conviction. You accept conviction. No. Yes, we can be convicted. Amen. Conviction is not a feeling. It has nothing to do with feeling whatsoever. Nothing. It's not written like that in the Bible. And this morning, we're going to take a look at what conviction means. And so now, I, I just want to say this. When Christ touched people's idols, he's not touching them. He's touching the idols. And I know that Christ is going to touch whatever I, every one of us have an idol. We have an idol, and the idol, the great idol for everyone is what? Self. We all have this idol. And we will have this idol until Christ blots out sin. And we have, to, we have to destroy this idol every step of the way that we go on. As long as we're walking in the light, there's always an idol to cast out. Amen? So we cannot stop in this walk. If we stop in the walk, that means the idol took over. That idol in which we love so much self has taken over. How does it take us over? In different ways and in different forms and in different methods. Satan finds ways to make the idol of self take possession of the soul. And that's why we have to watch and pray so that we don't enter into temptation. Amen? We have to keep watching and praying so that we don't fall for Satan's trap. What is his trap? To make the idol of self takes over. And once the idol of self takes over, he is the father of the idol of self. And once self takes over, he takes over. Amen? And, and Christ doesn't want that to happen to us. So let's look at conviction. Let's look at this definition. It means the act of proving, finding, or determining to be guilty of an offense charged against a person before a legal tribunal. Jump down to the second one. The act of convincing or compelling one to admit the truth of a charge. The act of convincing of sin or sinfulness. The state of being convinced or convicted by conscience, by, by what? By, so what convicts us? The conscience. Amen? Yes, he speaks to us through the what? Through the conscience. That's where the Holy Spirit works. He speaks to us through the conference, conscience. But I, what I want us to see, we need to see something in order to be convicted. If I'm convicted, I must have a knowledge of something that told me that this thing is wrong. Amen. So uh, keep that in mind. Can you write that? That's what was the next one I was going to write. Conscience. Put conscience, but put it in two words. Con and science. Like Swindon said, we're going to look at conscience means to know. That's what conscience means. And con, yes, in Spanish is with. I was looking it up in Latin, but it, it, it means to know. Science means to know. Science means with knowledge. The fact that we have a conscience, it means we have a knowledge of something. You're born with everyone is born with a conscience. Amen? Everyone. If we are not born with a conscience, God can't speak to us. Y'all follow? He can't speak to us if we don't have a conscience. The Bible says, come and let us what? Reason. He can't reason if we don't have reason. You follow? He can't ask. He can't reason with me if I don't have a reason to reason with. So I have to be born with the ability to reason so I can reason with my creator. He gave me that inborn ability. And this is what Satan robbed men of. He robbed them of the power to reason. By drinking his lies, we lose our ability to reason. And instead of conscience serving for good, it becomes evil. I hope y'all following. Because Sunday worshipers say, I'm convicted that Sunday is the day to keep. Based on what? 
Based on what? Where did you get that conviction? I don't read that in my Bible. You follow? So, so it's a, just takes, can you write Sunday and Sabbath, please? Write Sunday and Sabbath. Write it over here. That's, that's what I want. Amen. Amen. There's true conviction and there's false conviction. Conviction comes on based upon what we receive to be knowledge. That's what I want to get to. What we receive as knowledge, that's what will convict us. If we're the Catholic man who believes that the Catholic church is the right church, he received the knowledge that Christ rose on Sunday, therefore Sunday is a day to worship. So he planted that knowledge in his mind. And so when anyone breaks Sunday, to him, he's being convicted that, man, they're wrong because he accepted that false idea of what true worship is. You follow? Christ has to come and kill that old man that has possession of your conscience and put the right idea back in your mind so that you can see things in its correct light. That, that's where the Bible comes in. Go ahead. Say that I don't understand. Okay, like you give someone knowledge and it's clear, but they are here to see but their sense of not see not, not understanding still and it's just one truth. They claim to need more. Okay. And they give them more and more knowledge. They give them more okay. knowledge. Okay. And they okay. still want more and more and then they keep going farther and farther into deeper things and the more you give them, they get to the point like forget it because like, I can't give any more. After two or three, what does the Bible say? You, no, not, not the established one. After the first admonition and the second admonition, the third, you do what? You reject. Once you give too clear evidence to what the plain work, like I said, I started by saying there are some things that are just too plain. For God so loved the world, I don't, you don't need a minister to tell you what that text says. The text says what it says. So if you're a sinner reading that, it says what it says. God loved you. He died for you. That's it. I, I don't need to make it mystical. What it means is he jumped on a bridge and then the bridge did this. No, that, that's now I'm mystifying it. Amen. It's plain. He died for your sins. And it, the wages of sin is death. And Jesus paid that price. And he gave us a garment. Now, when it comes to the Sabbath, that's why I'm using this illustration. Because to Adventists, that's the easiest illustration to use as Sabbath and Sunday. There's no way an Adventist can be confused about Sabbath and Sunday. But what I want to do with Sabbath and Sunday, I want to make it pork and clean meat. You follow? Yeah. Those who eat pork are eating Sunday. Those who eat clean meat are eating the Sabbath. It's the same thing. Those who dress the way they should, the God says to dress, that's the Sabbath. Those who dress the way the papacy dress, that's Sunday. Sunday's a dress. And the Sabbath is a dress. We're to put on the garment of the Sabbath and to take off the garment of Sunday. On October 22nd, 1844, the Millerites took off the garment of Sunday and they put on the garment of Sabbath. And Christ says, keep your Sabbath garment spotless. Amen? That's what he said. So the, Sabbath, the reason why I'm doing that, Sabbath and Sunday could be a symbol for anything in life. Anything. Any right or wrong, that's what the, that because God says the Sabbath is a sign, and the papacy says Satan says Sunday is my sign, and everyone who eats this way, the way the Lord says to eat, the Sabbath will be a sign of that, and everyone who does what Satan says, Sunday will be a sign of that. It will be seen either in dress, in speech, in diet, 
in, in how we study the Bible, in how we read the Bible, in how we worship on Sabbath and Sunday. The Sabbath is the great sign of how we live our lives. Go, go ahead. Earlier. You opened up by saying um, it's clean, right? Amen. Clean Amen. Right, that 332 Greece came up. But the reason why we would go into history is not to change the chart, but it's so that we can understand what happened. What happened and how Greece but we already believe that Greece came up. We're not going there to formulate a belief. Amen. We're going there to gain evidences that support the thing that we just believe. Amen. And that's why everything necessary for salvation is first plain. Always plain. So that then you ask the Lord, how do I do that? Or how did that happen? Amen. Those things are not what convicts you. Those things is what what what, what aids in bolstering the conviction. That's what keeps the convictions received. burning. That's yeah. what keeps the evidence keeps the conviction burning. Amen. That's what it does. That's why we walk in the light to keep that conviction hot, to keep it fresh, to keep it going until Jesus says it is done. Amen. And he seals us in that state of of, of mind. So let's, this is the only place I found in the Bible, conviction, um, convicted. But I want us to, to understand that this Greek word, the reason why the Lord is teaching us Greek and Hebrew is nice if we understand it. This Greek word that we're about to read, convicted, is translated also reproved. It's all, it also means reproved. Conviction and reproved, while they're the same thing, to the, uh, what I'm learning, the usage of a different word gives a different idea to the same thing. It allows you to understand that thing a little bit better by using this choice of word. Amen. Amen? So that's why the Lord will oftentimes use a different word to teach the same thing, but it's giving you a different view of that one thing. Christ is infinite. There's, there's no one thing that we can use to define Christ. It's impossible. He's a God is infinite. We, God is not in no box. But to understand him, he gives us revelations in, in whatever way he chooses to do so. But when he gives us a revelation, it appeals to our conscience because it's our conscience that determines what's right or what's wrong. So then, therefore, it's important what we put into our minds. And that's why the Lord gave us the Bible so that we will put his Bible in our mind. But wait a minute. God has to first convince us that the Bible's even his Bible. You follow? He has to do that. He has to convince us that the Bible is really the word of God for us to place our conviction upon the Bible and not allow anybody to rob us of the conviction that the Bible is the word of God. That the Bible is the one that influences my conscience and tells my conscience which way to think and which way not to think. That's what the Bible is there for. Because we don't know God, the Lord had his word written out to guide or influence our conscience. Go ahead. Amen. Amen. So after you taste and see, then you can be convicted. Amen. Can I use the Bible to convince an atheist? No, I can't. He doesn't believe it. How am I going to use what he don't believe? Y'all follow? He doesn't believe the Bible. How are you going to convince him? So the first thing you have to do is convince him that the Bible. What did God have to do to Miller first? Convince him that the Bible's right. What was the, what's the purpose of the first angel's message? To convince people the Bible's right. That's the first angel's message. Isn't that what happened on 1840? Infidels and atheists was convinced that the Bible is the word of God. Prophecy is the, the instrument or the weapon that God has given his church to convince the infidel and the atheist that the Bible's really the word of God. Once man becomes convicted on that fact, 
Now you can use the Bible to pluck up all the garbage that he's received in his mind that influences his conscience in the wrong way. You follow? The Bible is the first step. So how am I going to convince the atheist if he doesn't believe the Bible? There's two methods. Nature is one method, and the other one is prophecy. You thought that's the only way God has given me that I'm going to reach the infidel. It's nature and prophecy. How did he try to reach Pharaoh? Nature. That's how he tried to reach Pharaoh, by using the judgments. What did he connect the judgments to? Nature. Because atheist worships what? Nature. That's what they worship. Their God is nature. So God shows them that he's the God over nature. So when you speak to an atheist, one of the best places you can go to is using conscience. Ask the atheist, why don't you steal? Why don't you kill? Because, to, because wait, let's continue. We're going to see why as we go on. I, I just hope we're fine. I just want us to see these things as we go along. That um, convincing is based upon a knowledge. We have to be a knowledge must be there in order for us to be convicted of something. That's the only way, and we're going to read that in the Bible. So like, as I said, we can look this up. This is one, one of the only places where this word is used in this manner. In John 8, it says, um, we know this. This is, this is the story of Mary when the, 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 these leaders brought Mary to be condemned by the law. The law says if someone's caught in adultery, they're to be stoned to death. So they, brought them, they, they caught her in the act. They set her up, of course. And they brought her to Jesus to see what Jesus would do. Because if Jesus didn't execute the law, then he's against Moses. And if he executed the law, then he's against the Romans. So Jesus was in this tough spot. He couldn't use the law of Moses because the Romans had control over the Jews. They didn't have civil authority. And he, and he couldn't disregard the law because they say they're about the law. And he says he's about the law. So what was Christ going to do? Our, our Christ came up with a wise way to show his hatred for that sin, but his love for the sinner. Amen? Amen. Let's look at what Christ did to show his hatred for sin, but his love for the sinner. Go down with me to, um, to verse 3. And the scribes and Pharisees brought onto, uh, onto, brought onto woman. Uh, sorry, thank you. Yeah, I couldn't see that part. Brought onto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was caught, was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law. Moses where? In the law. Okay, so they're losing the law as their justification for why they're going to do what they want to do. So, so Christ is going to use the same law. He's going to use the same law to convict them of sin. All right, so jump down with me now to verse 7. So when they continue asking him, he lifted up his head and said unto them, he that is, oh, no, I, I need this part. I need verse 6. Um, actually, no, I'm fine with 7. So he says, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and what? Wrote on the ground. And they which what? So what? But he wrote. What do you mean heard? He wrote. But they heard. So there's a voice that speaks when we read. You follow? When we read the Bible, a voice speaks to us. That's what I want us to see. And so let's look at what happened when the voice speaks. So it says, wrote on the ground, and they which heard it being what? Convicted by their own conscience. So how does conviction come? By reading. You follow? They read, yes, you're right, Michelle, it's conscience, but I want to see that the next, the first step to that is what? Reading. 
They, re they, re they read what Christ wrote with his what? Where did God write with his finger? The Ten so when we read the Ten Commandments, what should it do? It should convict our what, Michelle? Our conscience. So God speaks to our conscience. We can, we can acknowledge the voice that speaks to our conscience, or we can silence our conscience. I won't know, for instance, God might have spoke to Brother Wesley just by simply reading this. But if Brother Wesley don't open up his mouth and, and, and acknowledge the conviction, I don't know that God spoke to him. I won't know. He might have just silenced that conviction. He might have spoken to Swindon, and, but Swindon opened up his mouth and says, Praise the Lord, I have never seen it in that lot. What did Swindon just do? Respond to his conviction. He didn't silence it. He responded to it. What did these men do? They walked away. They never acknowledged their conviction. Never did. What's nice about this thought, though, is that um, he says how he, when he, the spirit, shall come. That's where we go next. Amen. Truth is what brings conviction. Amen. Truth, any knowledge you receive from God is truth. That's what, that's what the conscience only acknowledges. That. Conference acknowledges truth. But what does Satan do? He will pervert it and make your conscience respond to something wrong. Without the Bible, what I'm trying to get us to see, man, praise God for the Bible. Without the Bible, Satan would win all the time. Every time he would win. Because we don't know the difference between the voice of the, the, the good shepherd and the false shepherd. Without the Bible to know if this is the true voice, we would be deceived. Satan is more powerful than us, but in Christ, we're more powerful than him. Amen? We need our Bibles. It's the Bible and the spirit of prophecy that gives us conviction. God had his word written out so that we would recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking through the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. Now to convince the atheists, we need to, that's why Adventists should only be teaching Daniel and Revelation. Daniel and Revelation was given to convince the infidel, the atheists, the agnostics that the Bible is truly the voice of God. And that's why we have to understand all of these things so that we can be correct and proper witnesses to the world for, for Christ. But we ourselves must show that we hear the voice that speaks through the writings. We can read the Bible and not hear the voice. Y'all follow? We can read the Bible but not hear. That's why Christ says, he that had ears, let him what? Let him hear. We can, amen. We, yes, we can silence it. But these men, they didn't tell anybody that they heard anything. It was the Holy Spirit revealed to John that they heard something. That's why they left. Y'all follow? Amen. Basically, what did Christ just do here? He cleansed the temple. That's what he did. He cleansed the temple. It's the same thing he did in the temple cleansing. Same thing. He convicted them of sin. The Pharisees heard the voice and they ran. These men heard the voice and they ran. It's the same thing. So let's continue. This is what Swinon brought up John 16. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will what? Reprove. reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment. Okay, so let's look at reprove. As I said earlier, it means convict, convince, tell, fault, or rebuke. Tell a fault. Tell a fault. So when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to tell you your fault. He's going to reprove you. And he's going to convince you that that's wrong. That's his job. He does it in many ways. Many ways. But the best way for him to do it is what? The word of God. The word of God and the spirit of prophecy. But there's a problem. There's a problem. He, it, some people won't do what? They won't read it. 
So what does the Lord has to do now? For God so loved the world, he what? He must always send somebody. Because people won't read it, he must always send somebody. He knows people majority is not going to read it, so he's going to send somebody. Praise the Lord. Amen. Never heard. Amen. Amen. So what am I trying to say? I always tell this to Swindon and many people. I know by the grace of God, based on what my Bible says, that when we teach this truth and we teach it right, I know people hear the voice of God. I know they hear it. I don't need them to tell me that they hear it. I know they hear it because my Bible, our Bible, does not lie. God would not ask us to do something if he, if he knew that the people wasn't going to understand the thing he's asking us to do. The fact that he asked you to do it, they can understand it. The fact that he sent his son at that time, the world can understand him. You follow? He sent him at the right time for the world to receive him. Some chose to silence that conviction and pretend like they didn't hear it, and they do it only in two ways the Bible gives us, either Catholicism or atheism. That's it. It's Catholicism or atheism. Catholicism accepts Christ. But what do they do? They change things. They make the truth into a lie. They make it serve a lie. Atheism don't accept the conviction. They flat out choose the Lord that I shall obey his voice. Wait, so you heard a voice. Pharaoh heard a voice. When Moses came to him and says, let my, God says, let Israel go, Pharaoh heard the Holy Spirit tell him, he's right, let them go. And Pharaoh, who's the Lord that I shall obey his what? In order to say that, it means he heard a voice. Amen. Sin is for the pagan. The righteousness is for the man that accepts God's word but don't live right. Amen. So, so that man needs to be taught what's right. But the pagan is in sin, so he needs a conviction of what sin, of what is. sin is. Amen. But if that don't work, if Rome pagan doesn't work and Rome papal doesn't work for you, he's going to bring judgment. Amen. Now, now the judgment should serve that, but you don't want that one. No, you don't want that. You don't one. want that one. But if those two don't, because he told Moses. Amen. You don't want that one because in order for God to bring that one, I want us to see what it when if God brings a judgment, somebody has to die and someone has to live. He has to reward the righteous and condemn the wicked to convince of there's a reward for good and there's a reward for bad. You follow? That's what 9-11 was. That's what 1840 was. That's what 2780 was and on and on and on. Amen. So we don't want that one. We want to receive those two voices. But let's go. I just want to see that conviction must be announced. But let's prove that even more. Go with me to Romans 2. Romans 2 says, um, and I, oh, science. I jumped over that. I already said earlier that science means to know, and I put the definition in there. So conscience means to know, means with knowledge. If you have a conscience, you're already born with a knowledge. What's that knowledge? It's, let's read what the Bible says that knowledge is. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by what? Do by what? Do by nature the things contained in the law. These having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written where? So the Gentiles have the law written where? In their hearts. But what do, it needs to be given life. It needs to be taught what's right. Because the Gentiles, they, give, they, they ascribe to that law paganism, the gods of paganism. 
That's what they ascribe the law to. There's not a nation on this planet that does not have laws to govern its people. The reason for that is because it's already in us that we recognize that law is for the governing of society. Without a law, society can't be governed. So no matter whether you believe in God or not, no matter where man goes, the first thing he always sets up is a government. He always set up a government because he realized, I, I can't control anyone if I don't have a government. What the problem always comes in is when who they ascribe the government to. Who does it belong to? Go ahead. Uh, amen. And, but that one, the one that got overthrown. Yeah, amen. The one who ruled, ruled that one was was um, Satan. Uh, yeah. Amen. So let's continue with this next thought, and we're gonna close off right. Which showed a law. That's what Paul says with the Gentile. Go ahead. Praise God. Amen. Yes. The thing is, I can still use that. Even if they want to go that route, God will give you the ability. Let's go that route then. So whose opinion? God's opinion or your opinion? Yeah. Amen. It's changeable in their minds. Amen. Amen. Say it again. That's the same as my conviction. It's the same thing. That's what I want us to see is the same subtle error. There's nothing wrong with saying I'm convicted about this, but if I'm convicted about something, why I'm going over this, you have to now show me what convicted you of that. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every what? Every word. So the word is the basis of my conviction. So if I'm doing this, I need to have evidence, like Michelle said, the definition says, that this evidence convicted me that this is right. If I go the other route, I will worship on Sunday. I guarantee it. You will find yourself worshiping on Sunday because Sunday worship have no basis for their conviction. It has none. Amen. They're going to say their opinion or Sunday worship is going to say, well, he healed the sick. He, he made this person who was lame walk again. So wait a minute. So you're, the conviction for you keeping Sunday is by seeing a, a lame man walk again? That's the reason for your, but that lame man walking again goes against the teaching of the Bible. So therefore, that lame man, his, the power given to him wasn't to, to justify the Bible. It was to justify the man that told him that Sunday's right. So therefore, your conviction is based upon the man of sin. It has nothing to do with the Bible. Amen. But what was Peter's conviction? Where did it lead to? The Bible. The Bible, that's where it led to. Every miracle must be proved by the Bible. 
If miracle is the basis for why I believe what I believe, we will find ourselves worshiping on Sunday because the devil is going to do a whole lot of miracles to convince or convict people that Sunday is the right day to worship. But the only thing we're going to have if we're faithful is the Bible to show, look, that miracle goes against the remember the Sabbath day. That miracle essentially says that the commandments was not spoken by God. That miracle essentially said Moses wrote on the two tables. That miracle essentially says that the whole Bible's false. That miracle essentially says that Jesus never came and told me to study the scriptures. You follow? That's what that will do. And eventually you'll find yourself worshiping on Sunday. Error is never harmless amen error is dangerous and whatever thought that's not in harmony with the word of god it must go it has to go go ahead amen and let's prove now what you just said sin let's look at sin Whosoever committed sin transgresses also the law, for sin is the what? Okay, so only the law can tell me what sin is. Plain, all right? So let's look at Romans 3. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be just, justified in his sight, for by the law is the what? So we can only get a knowledge of what's wrong based upon the law. But I first must be even convinced that the Bible is the law that I must follow. I have to be convinced that that's the purpose of the first angel's message. To con yes, must first believe. With the first thing God is going to do for the world is convince them that the Bible is the word of God. And I praise God if we're faithful, we're getting the opportunity by God to preach a message that's going to come straight from the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. And God is going to bring it to pass so a strong conviction can be placed upon people, not in us, in the Bible. Amen? In the Bible. I am that I am. Amen. Amen. So jump down with me to John 3 now. Just look, We're going to come down to a close. John 3. And this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world, and men what? Love, Love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were what? Evil. Because they're what? Okay, listen to that. For everyone that doeth what? Evil. Evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his what? Lest he should be condemned? No, lest his deeds should be reproved. Christ is consistent with himself. He hates the sin, not the sinner. Notice what he said in the, the previous verse. It's not in here. For God so loved the world that he said Christ took the condemnation upon himself. So man, is, man can escape from that. But Christ shows his hatred for man's deeds. The deeds are evil. So why don't people come to the light? Because their deeds are evil. And when they come to the light, that means every time you come to the Bible, God is not condemning you. He's condemning the deeds you're doing. Amen? He's condemning your works and your words and your practices. No one can honestly read the Bible and not hear the voice of God if they don't really, if, if you don't really want to hear it, the Lord won't speak to you. But if you read your Bible, you will hear that voice. We've all heard it. That's why we're here. Amen? That's why we're here. He heard it. Even he heard it. Pharaoh heard it. He heard it too. Well, let's go on. That these are evil unless they be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light. So let's look at Proverbs. I have 623. For the commandment is a lamp and the law is light. Job 21. Therefore they say unto God, depart from us, for we desire not the what? Knowledge of thy ways. 
what is the Almighty that we should serve him, and what profit should we, should we have if we what? Pray on to him. I won't even, I don't see any profit in doing that. And depart from me, I desire not or not. In other words, I desire not the conviction of what my sin is. I don't want to know what my sin is. So I don't come to the light. So do you know what the Lord says? For God so loved the world, he's going to send you the light. Even if you don't want to come, he's going to send somebody with the light. You follow? Amen. He's still going to send the light. Nobody on planet Earth can run from the sun. Nobody. That's, the, that's what nature teaches me. I can't run from the sun. No matter where I go, there's a sun. So, what, so this is why Christ can say that if you don't want to come to the light, I'm going to come to you because the sun rises upon the just and the who? And the unjust. Amen. Amen. And even if you want to hide in the shadow, Christ is going to speak to you there too. Yeah. Because he says he came in human flesh. He hid in the, he hid in the shadow. Yeah. He hid in the shadow of flesh to come and talk to you. So what does that mean? He's even going to use the wicked to bring light to you. Amen. He's even going to use them to bring light your way. And, and, and if the only way to get away from Christ is to crucify him. That's the only way. You got to kill him. You have to kill him. Huh? Oh, yeah. Amen. Yeah, amen. Islam loves of the sun. That's why Satan uses them. That's their purpose. He uses them to crucify Isaac. Oh, amen. That's their job. And he's still speaking to you even with that. So go to Malachi. Coming down to this last one, it says, Your words have been stout against me. Actually, jump over that one and go down to Hosea. It says, my people are destroyed for a lack of what? Knowledge. Because they, thou, they, thou has what? They don't want this knowledge. They don't want this conviction of what right and wrong is. Um, jump in this last quote, then I'm going to mention this point. It says, but when men fell, the law of self was set up. This, this law harmonizes with the will of sinful humanity. There is no strife between them. But when the words of God speaks to the conscience, telling of a higher than human will, even the will of God, man's will desires to go its own way, irrespective of what? Consequences. The charm of obedience was, was broken by Adam's disobedience. A sense of the importance of obedience as an absolute necessity ceased to exist in the mind. And now man thinks, if I choose, I can obey God, and if I choose, I can disobey him. That's rebellion. Now, the, I want to end off around this point. Um, you have the Ten Commandments, right? Is the Ten Commandments different for you than it is for me? No, no it isn't, right? So therefore, if I read the Third Commandment, it says the same thing to you as it says to me. So therefore, there is no my conviction, your conviction. It's just one conviction. You follow? If, I, if the Ten Commandments says, thou shalt have no other gods before me, it means the same thing to you as it does for me. But the, what's the problem? Your God might be cars. My God might be planes. So God is not, I don't have a problem with cars, so it doesn't need to speak to me there. No, no that's not my problem. My problem is I love planes, and I, and I put being a pilot above everything else. I, I, I spend all my time doing that versus studying the Bible because I find interest. So God, when I read the Ten Commandments, it will convict me there that, that you need to get rid of that idol. And it will convict you there. You need to get rid of that idol. 
but it's the, the conviction is coming from the same source because the problem is the same thing. We place another God, whether it be this God or that God, it doesn't matter. We place another thing above our creator. So the law is there to convict us of that thing that needs to go. The point I'm trying to make, there's no such thing as picking up the testimonies and it says this and I'm saying, well, this is my conviction. No, it says the same thing to you as it does to me. It doesn't say something else. It, it plainly says that those who eat meat shall not receive the seal of God. I can't then turn around, well, that's her opinion. So now it's the Bible's opinion? You see where that's going? That's where that's going. If it says not one, not one meat eater will receive the seal of God, therefore, the instruction, the conviction that God is trying to impress upon our minds, we need to stop eating meat. It's that simple. It's not confusing. I can't read that any other way. It says what it says. It's a, it's, it's a plain command. Well, now the sinner will come and say, didn't Jesus say what's clean that we can eat? And didn't he eat fish? And then I'll say, my brother, we are Seventh-day Adventists. We're not, we're not Baptists. We are Seventh-day Adventists. We know that Christ went into the most holy place on October 22nd, 1844. We know that our diet... Every change of compartment is a change in the diet. Amen. Every change. He left the court, so man's diet changed when he went into the holy place. I know it did. He left, he left the holy place, went in the most holy place. Man's diet changed. Once he did that, there's always a change. We're Seventh-day Adventists. We're not, we're not nominal um, Christians that just, that just accepted Christ today. We are Adventists, and we understand the reasons for the convictions we hold for not eating meat. We don't eat it because the sanctuary services teach us that when Christ goes into the most holy place, there's a diet appointed for the people living at that time. This is why we don't eat meat, for health purposes and also for studying the Bible. How do I know studying the Bible? Because um, Valerie, this morning, she mentioned Daniel. And what does the book of Daniel teach me for those who want to be convicted on the subject of health? When you go into the book of Daniel, how did Daniel... How did the book of Daniel begin? What are the circumstances surrounding Daniel? Captivity. What is it? Captivity. So when we come to the Sunday law, there's a certain diet we should have. You follow? The Sunday law is kept. We're Seventh-day Adventists. We're students of prophecy. Daniel is teaching me that when the Sunday law comes, there's a conviction I must have in regards to my diet. And when I come to the Sunday law, Satan is going to try to rob me of that conviction of my diet like he did for Daniel. You follow? What was, the, what was the circumstance of John John on Patmos? No, no, no. He was what? And he was put in what? Prison. Why was he put in prison? John tells you in John, Revelation 1. Why was he put in prison? For the word of his testimony. His conviction was the testimony that Christ is the, the, um, the Lamb of God. He's the Messiah. And he, that's what John says. I'm on Patmos for the word of his testimony. The dragon was trying to make him give up the conviction that Christ is the Lamb of God. You follow? But John helps. So when we come to the Sunday law, the, the conviction that Satan is going to try to make us give up is the testimony. Daniel is showing the commandment. John is showing the testimony. So if we're not convinced that the commandment should be kept and the spirit of prophecy should be adhered to according to Revelation 12, 17, 
That's the purpose of the threefold union, the one world government, to make the world give up the conviction that God's commandment should be kept and that the spirit of prophecy should be adhered to. Y'all follow? We have to come to the Sunday law with the conviction that these things are right. And the test of the Sunday law is not to make us be convicted. It's to make us give up the conviction. Because the Bible says the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which, which, do, which keeps something. They're keeping the conviction that the commandment should be kept and that the spirit of prophecy should be taught. Daniel and John. These convictions must be adhered to. But there's a problem. When God came in 1989, the people who should have had that conviction didn't even recognize the man of sin coming in America in 1989. So therefore, they couldn't be convicted that the Sunday law was near. Because the convict Satan has changed their consciences. So therefore, when the papacy came to the United States, their fears wasn't aroused. Y'all follow? That's the dangers of messing with our conscience. So God now rose up Jeff to come teach the first angel's message again to do what? To implant the conviction of the first, the second, and third angel's message back in people's heart. And that's why we are still here, because we're convinced we should dress a certain way. We're convinced we should eat a certain way. I, I, at least speaking for myself, I know I'm a, I'm a vegan or vegetarian. I know I'm a vegetarian because I'm convicted based upon the Bible and the spirit of prophecy that I need to have a certain diet by the time the Sunday law comes. And if I don't have this diet by the time the Sunday law comes, I'm going to receive the mark of the beast. That's what the Bible says. Daniel 1 teaches me that in captivity, my diet needs to change. When God brought them into the wilderness, the captivity for 40 years, he changed their diet. When Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 years, his diet was changed. So diet is a subject for the Sunday law crisis. So God needs to convict Adventists and then the world. Your diet needs to be in harmony with the message for the time and your dress. How do I know that? Their clothes never wax old. And Daniel 3, when the test came, they were dressed a particular way. So Daniel is teaching me I need to have a certain kind of natural dressing and spiritual dressing in order to make it through the Sunday law crisis. So God needs to convict me on my way of dressing before I even get there. What is the point I'm making? The Bible says they keep the commandments of God. We must have a conviction already in place by the time the Sunday law comes. We can't come to the Sunday law and get a conviction. We need to be convicted before it comes. So, and Satan now tests us if that conviction is sincere or false. Amen? So praise God for this time that's given to us. Conviction is by knowledge. It's not a feeling. It's not how I feel, whether I should do this or do that. If God's word says this, and I believe that God's word is the word of God, the voice of God to me, then I need to hold on to that conviction. No matter what Satan brings to, to take it, to rob me of it, don't let it go. And that's what the Bible's there to help us to stay strong in that conviction. And what Swinton's about to go over is the threefold union of the one world government. The whole purpose of the one world government is to make men give up the conviction. That's it. That's the whole purpose of it because Satan says, I will be like the Most High. I will make the world worship me and I will get the governments of the world to go along with my idea of what a government is. 
And we have to hold on to the conviction that, no, God is the one who sets up kings and takes down king. And God is the one who cleanses the sanctuary. So, therefore, I have to hold on to this conviction that the Bible has given me. Conviction is a knowledge or a responsibility or duty that God has placed in his word. And those who receive it are guided by those conviction. And they reveal this by how they live their life. So, let us close out with a word of prayer. Amen. Heavenly Father. Lord, we want to thank you, O Lord, for the word of God that's able to make us wise unto salvation. And Lord, I ask that you forgive me, O Lord, if I was not hidden behind a cross in any way. For hiding behind a cross simply means the denying of self. Whenever we deny self, we're hidden behind a cross so that Christ can be seen. And I pray, O Lord, that in pre presenting um, this subject, it's a very important subject. It's an easy subject that you've placed in your Bible to understand. It's, it's a surface truth, O Lord. Conviction is a surface truth. You, you lay it plainly out upon the surface of the Bible that if anyone takes up the, their Bible, they can understand what it means to be convicted. And after we receive that truth and we receive it and believe it as the word of God to our souls, then you will show us the depth of what conviction means. Then you start taking us into the deeper things and the deeper understanding of conviction in relation to conscience and reason and, and man's duty in relationship to you and man's duty in relationship to his man. Then we can understand the deeper things that will deepen the impression of the first thing that we receive in relation to conviction. And I pray and ask, O Lord, that you help us to walk in the light of the word, even if what was taught today is not believed, O Lord. I pray that anyone who desires to understand what it really means to be convicted, when they open up their Bible, I ask that you'll guide them and bring them to the right understanding so that they can be convicted on what it means to be convicted and not allow Satan to rob them of that understanding. So please be with us today. Be with my brother Swinton as he's about to come up and cover the subject. Um, you've laid upon his heart um, and convicted him of that it is right. I pray that his words would be with power and that we would receive the truth um, um, by whatever means you choose to have it un understood by our minds. And that, Lord, we will go see whether these things be so so that we can deepen the impressions and the convictions in which you lay upon us. But conviction comes in, 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 in a few ways, Lord, through the word, through the testimonies, through nature, or through the, the vessel in which you choose to use to, to bring about the truth. So please help us. Please guide us and continue to help us to keep this day holy. In Jesus' name we pray.